All right, we're going to go ahead and get started. Um, so for those of you, a couple of new guys, um, for quite some time we've been going through the life of Christ. We've been studying his earthly uh, advent when he was born of Mary, uh, his 33 and a half years here on the earth, death, burial, resurrection, and now he's sitting on the, he is seated on the throne. And he's King of Kings and Lord of Lords, but the Bible actually teaches us about his earthly life. And so from Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and the first two chapters of Acts, we get the entire gospel of Jesus Christ. The word gospel means good news. And so as we study through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we get the good news of Jesus and everything that he's done for us. Um, each one of these guys, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, are all different. They they all have different uh, uh, points of view and perspectives. And so through the power of the Holy Spirit, who has inspired them uh, to, to write what they've written, they've given us this account so that we can know him and so that we can believe him. And so the only way that you're ever going to believe in Jesus is by hearing of him and his Holy Spirit opening your heart and eyes uh, to that truth in his word. And so... Um, just really quick, um, la- the last couple of times we were together, we were in Matthew chapter 10, and we were talking about Jesus and his disciples. Um, who remembers what the word disciple means? What is it? What, is it, what does anybody remember what the word disciple means? What does it mean to be a follower? disciple? Good, a follower. You are under the discipline, right? That's where that word disciple comes from. You are under the discipline of a teacher. Any of you in this room that maybe have ever taken karate in your life, you, karate is a discipline, right? It's a it's a martial art and it's a discipline. You have to go and learn to be tough and to to ignore pain and and to uh, focus your body. And discipline your body and beat it into subjection to do what you require of it to do. Well, the same thing works in our life with Jesus. If you have been called by him, if he has opened your heart and saved you, if you have been regenerated and born again, then the rest of your life is going to be a life of discipleship. All right. And what we learn from discipleship is uh, so often in the world that we live in and in our modern churches today, everybody just thinks that when you sign up for uh, hell insurance with Jesus. That's what a lot of people think, that you're just getting out of hell. Well, that's right? a great way to put it. Right? And uh, when, 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 you set, when you sign on the line and, and go down the aisle and give your heart to Jesus and such as this kind of stuff, everybody thinks that life is just going to be all swell from then on and that everything's going to be good. You're going to have a big house and, and a, a model spouse and a uh, you know, four-car garage and a, money full of, a bank full of money and and, and that's just simply not the case. And Jesus is trying to explain to his disciples. Um, so look with me really quick. Let's just look at a couple of passages to remind you. And then uh, we'll, um, we're going to jump to something else today. In uh, Matthew chapter 10 and verse 16, Jesus said, Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. So be shrewd as serpents and innocent as doves. But beware, because men will hand you over to the courts and scourge you in their synagogues. And you will even be brought before governors and kings for my namesake as a testimony to them and to the Gentiles. But when they hand you over, do not worry about what you will say, for it will be given you in that hour what you are to say. For it is not you who speaks, but the Spirit, capital S, of your Father who speaks in you. Brothers will betray brothers to death, and fathers his child, and children will rise up against their parents and cause them to be put to death. You will be hated by all because of my name, but it is the one who has endured to the end who will be saved. 
Uh, it says, but whenever they persecute you in one city, flee to the next. For truly I say to you, you will not finish going through all the cities of Israel until the Son of Man comes. And so, what does Jesus warn in his disciples? Um, let's remember, we just got finished celebrating Easter last week, right? And what is the Easter celebration? What are we celebrating? Resurrection. The resurrection of Jesus Christ. Well, why did he rise again? Because he died, right? Right? They nailed him to a cross. Now, of course, the Bible teaches us, uh, the Word of God teaches us that Jesus gave up his spirit. Nobody killed him. He willingly surrendered his spirit to death. Uh, but he died. And the reason he died was because... And he was beaten. Yeah, he was beaten, mercifully spit on. He was, um, he was uh, persecuted, uh, scoffed at, laughed at, uh, embarrassed, humiliated, and literally beat to death. And so, remember, that was Jesus, the Son of God, who humbled himself and clothed himself in humanity and walked among us to show us what God's love looks like. And what was, man re- at what was man's reaction to God's love? Spit on it, mock it, beat it, persecute it. You see? And so, so think about that. The religious uh, people of that day and the political people of that day and the common folks of that day hated God and his love. And that hatred for God was expressed through their reactions to Jesus and his teachings. There was always only a small group of people that believed him. But I want you to think about the ramifications of what they did to Jesus' body. All right? What did they do? They nailed him to a cross. They, they crucify him, kill. That word crucify, uh, the uh, crucifixion was uh, capital punishment back in that day. They didn't have the electric chair or firing squads um, or the guillotine or... Uh, uh, lethal injections uh, crucifixion was the form of capital punishment it was the way that you, you uh, justly executed wicked people and yet Jesus was the sinless son of God and they executed him on that stake he came and became sin for us and died for us well the point I'm trying to bring up here is this you see what they did to Jesus' physical body Well, the Bible teaches us that the church, the body of Christ, the church is the body of Christ. The church is the body of believers. The church is all of those who Christ has sealed in his blood and who he has claimed for himself. So, the church is the spiritual body of Christ. Well, if they did that to his physical body when he was physically here and present on the earth, what do you think the reaction is going to be to his spiritual body? Same thing. The exact same thing. So Jesus is warning his disciples that the world is going to hate you. The world is going to curse you. The world is going to scoff at you and make fun of you and ridicule you and try to wipe you off the face of the earth. And, you know, it's really funny because here in just in the last couple of years, um, it, it really does seem like that this world has truly been flipped over on its head and things that we used to call evil are now celebrated as good. Yeah. And not only that, but the church is actually starting to be persecuted. Yeah. Even with this COVID nonsense that we've seen. What did the oh, government yeah. do? Shut down all they, of the churches. They barricaded yeah. one because of the yep. Easter service yep. and they were meeting in the snow. Yep. And so, anyway, yeah. good for them. So you see, you've seen here in the last, just in the last recent year, where the uh, 
worldwide governments are actually cracking down on Christians. Like, you know, in, ter- in places like China and Iraq and Iran, um, the church literally is underground. They can't come out and be uh, open disciples because if they do, they lose their head. Like, they yeah. will kill them. Mm-hmm. And so you see that this is the world's reaction mm-hmm. um, to the, the spiritual body of Christ. Right. And so that's one of the things that we need to understand. If you truly are a believer... Um, your life is going to be evidenced in uh, as being a disciple. That you are going to be under the discipline of your Father who art in heaven. Um, Jesus said it this way, or David said it this way in Psalm 23. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Right. So God's correction comes to us. And God will use persecution. And God will use the trials and tribulations of this world to purify his church. Because what's going to happen? Well, look, what's happened to all of these wackadoo TV preachers that run around healing folks, okay? Where have they been during this whole COVID thing? They've literally shut up, hadn't they? There's nobody doing it. Now, when it first come out, Kenneth Copeland, he, he, he rebuked the COVID and said it's gone. It's not going to do anything. And yet, in reality, what's happened? It's still around, isn't it? So all of these healing, uh, all of these people with these healing ministries... Where are they? Why aren't they going around to the hospitals? And, they're all on vacation. And, yeah, yeah, they're taking a vacation. Right there. Well, they're all isolating at home, I guess. Right. Maybe maybe, right. maybe that's their excuse. But we're the point being is this. Uh, the point is is that the trials and tribulations and persecutions of this life are used by God to purify the church. And his people. To prove who are his people and who are not. I want you to look really quickly at verse um, 22. You will be hated by all because of my name. In in other words, what does that mean to say you have his name? In the same way you get your last name from your father. Your name is a Christian. That means you are Christ-like. You have Christ's name. He's put his seal on you. He said, you belong to me. You have my name. Okay? And if you have his name, you will be hated and persecuted by all. But it is the one who endured to the end who will be saved. Now, that's very important to see. What does he say? It is the one that endures to the end that will be saved. What does it mean to endure to the end? You stick with the program. All right, good. Now, what Jesus is not saying is that if you endure to the end, you will be saved. Yeah. Oh, good point. What he is saying is, if you are saved, you will endure to the end. Yeah, yeah. Do you see the difference? Yeah, that's yeah. a very good point. All right. So, what are the trials and the tribulations and the persecutions and the things that we go through in this world going to do? They are going to prove who are his true children and who are fakes. You see how that works? And that's what he's warning his disciples about. And so, so often, so often, and we, especially in recovery ministries, we're very guilty of this. You come to Jesus and you'll get sober, right? That's not the gospel message. Now, it's a good message, and if you trust in Christ, can he sober you up? You better believe it. But... You do not get sober because you trust no. in tri- Christ. Because you do have to lean on Him as right. a prior purpose. You get sober because God life. changes your nature and you and become a new creation. Yes. You see the difference? Yeah. So it's not... So when we when the gospel message is offered to people, 
we need to come to them with the realization that you are the problem, not the solution, and that it is turning away from yourself and turning to Christ that saves you. And turning away from self and turning to Christ is the most painful and unnatural thing that a human being can do. Because we want to be us. You, you see how that works? We don't want to turn to Him because we like the way we live. Now, now, if you want to give me this, he- if you want to give me this heaven and keep me from going to hell, and let me. That's what our mind tells us. But once we do turn to Him, and He helps us get through these things, it's not easy. We have lots of problems thrown at us. But it's because of the power of Christ that I've gotten this far. That it's it's different. Good. It's different. So so watch the difference. Jesus is not saying that. If you endure, you will be saved. He's saying, if you are saved, you will endure. Let's use the sobriety. If you stay... One who endures to the end will be saved. Yep. So, he's not saying this about the sober person. If you are sober, you will be saved. No. No. What he's saying is... If you are saved, you will be sober. And if so, you're what would be? If you're sober without Christ, it's miserable. All right. So, what is the what is the fruition of a true believer? The fruition of a true believer is is that they act Christ-like, and it's a lifelong journey. It's a lifelong discipleship, and God is constantly correcting us and dragging us back and teaching us and. And, and it's I'm not fun. I'm your side, right. I'm wrong. No, you're not throwing my side. No. <laughs> so, so you understand. But so often we, we present this picture to people that the Christian life is just like the yellow brick road and you're just going to have Dorothy on one hand and Toto on the other and you're just going to bounce all the way to Oz. But it is better. But, but, but the, rea- right, it, the reality is, is that when you are saved, God opens your eyes to reality and truth. Yeah, and reality and truth is not just pretty and primrose, pretty primrose path. Reality and truth is the wages of sin is death. Right. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And that's the reality. And so Jesus is warning his disciples of the persecution that is going to come. And so what I thought we would do for today is take a look. So right after this... Jesus is going to talk about um, one of his disciples, a guy named John the Baptist. All right? So look with me in Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11. Okay? And he says, When Jesus had finished giving instructions to his twelve disciples, he departed from there to teach and preach in their cities. Now, when John, while imprisoned, wait a minute, John's in prison? He's one of Jesus' disciples, okay? While he was in prison, he heard of the works of Christ and sent word by his disciples. And he said to him, Are you the expected one, or shall we look for someone else? Jesus answered and said to them, Go and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, and the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel uh, preached to them. 
and blessed is he who does not take offense at me. All right. So think about what's going on. doubting? Yes, very much so. So think about that. John, who was inside of his mommy's belly, he was six months old when Mary and the baby Jesus came into their house to visit. Now, now John's older than Jesus. Jesus was in Mary's womb. And when she walked into the room, Elizabeth, who was six months more pregnant with John than Mary was, the baby John jumped inside of her womb filled with the Spirit because he was happy. Because what had God called John to do? John is actually prophesied in the Scripture as the voice crying in the wilderness to tell people to make way because the the king has come the the savior has come he's the he's the announcer of the of the messiah but this message is actually wonderful because all of us go through that period of doubt sure and if even john went through it yeah so G, uh, john was running around saying make way uh uh the, the Messiah is here. John is fulfilling, literally, John was literally fulfilling prophecies that were written in the Old Testament about him. Like he was the voice crying in the wilderness. And what, what, was, what was that voice saying? Make way the king is here. But not only that, what was something else he said? Repent for the kingdom is hand. Turn away from your sin and yourself because the kingdom is here. And if you do not turn away from sin and self, the kingdom will crush you and destroy you. If you turn to the kingdom, then you will be welcomed into the kingdom. And so a part of John's message was you got to die to yourself and turn to the kingdom of God and what he brings. And so John was preaching. John just wasn't preaching this happy, happy, joy, joy message. He was saying, hey, the king is coming, and if you're not on his side, you're going to be in trouble. You need to repent and believe the gospel. And so John was preaching this. Look how honest the gospel is. Look how honest... Christ is with us and it's not going to be easy, but there yep. is eternal life. Yep. It's not the sugar-coated stuff you hear out in the world, you so, know, and then you feel lied to. That never happens yep. here. So, so think about it. John is the one who baptized Jesus, and when he baptized Jesus... Uh, he saw the Spirit of God come out of heaven and descend upon Jesus. They all heard the voice of the Father in heaven saying, This is my Son in whom I'm well pleased, right? So it's not like John has not seen miracles. Yeah. It's not like John has not he witnessed heard God's him. Voice. He's heard God's voice. He's the one that identified Jesus as the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And yet now, he sends his disciples. John had disciples that followed him. He sends his disciples to Jesus. And he asks them, he says, are you really the Messiah? Now, and just like Lori said, what, what's going on here? He's like, wait a minute, man. I didn't, you know, I, signed, prison. I, I signed up for you to come and be the king and make a big kingdom here on the earth for us for, so that you could rule and reign and we could be a part of your kingdom. the Bible led them to. Huh? The Bible didn't lead them people to the first coming of Christ was going to be this enormous kingdom. Yeah, well, they were looking for the kingdom. They were looking for him to come in and... And destroy their enemies and set up his throne on the earth and let them rule and reign over all of the earth. So That's what they were looking for. So predicted that the second coming? I mean, also like... Well, again, what was their problem? Didn't, their they, prob- didn't Isaiah predict that he would die on a tree? Yes. Yeah. Their problem was they wanted the kingdom now and the kingdom right. was established through his death. So Jesus conquered through death and the cross he conquered death he conquered death through death and the cross the children of israel 
the Israelites were looking for somebody to come in and conquer Rome. Somebody to conquer their poverty. Somebody to conquer their blindness and their sickness and, and their death and their suffering. Somebody to set them up as princes and rulers on the earth. And Jesus came with a message of dying to conquer through death. And none of those people were about dying. No. You, you see, it's like, oh, wait a minute now. That's not a part of the deal here. Right. right. And I understand it's a lot easier for us to be able to look past on this side of the cross and look to the past and, and, and now we see it so plainly. So but they, they did have Well, so so think about it. The children of Israel missed their Messiah. They did. Because well, the main cause, unbelief. They didn't believe him. But why did they not believe him? Because they were looking for health and wealth and uh, physical blessings, and they were looking they for were Jesus. For they were looking for the <laughs> they were looking for the Messiah to come in and make everything okay. Right. Yeah, but they thought it was going to be more like the King David coming in for him. That's exactly right, and he was King David. He he's King David's greater son. Yes. But when he came, he came to conquer death, which was really their problem. Yeah. The problem wasn't poverty. The problem wasn't tyrants. The problem wasn't uh, sickness and death and starvation and disease. The problem was is that this world is under a curse from God because of our rebellion against God. And Jesus came to die to take that curse away for his people. Yeah. And so they missed it. They missed it because they were looking for physical things. Well, think about it. Even us as New Testament believers... Can we miss the blessings oh, yeah. of God in our life when our bank account's not looking so good or when our family members get sick or when, when things bad start going? Can we miss God's blessings when the physical things around us are not going the way we want them to? Okay. You better believe it. And so um, the point is that we're supposed to get our eyes off of our circumstances and get our eyes start off of ourselves and, and get our eyes on him. And knowing that we are more than conquerors in Christ. That's what the book of Revelation teaches. That in Christ, we have already conquered. Like, we've won. So the game's over. And Revelation. Yeah, right? The game's over. Yeah. It's won. We've won. But we look around us in this world that we live in, and it don't look like we're winning anything. No, it looks like it looks like the, the governments are taking over and locking up our churches and persecuting believers, and that uh, the the crooked, wicked politicians are the ones that are actually like on top of the world and running things and having a good life. And here we are down here, um, burdened under the heavy burdens of taxes and heavy, we under burden of taxes and heavy labor and, and all this suffering and struggle. And we look at them and go, man, they really got it made. And the reality is they're the ones that are dying and going to hell. And yet we and all of our suffering have God's promise waiting us. And there's nothing, we can't lose. Watch the evil growing and growing. So. You can understand now. Thank God we have Jesus and don't have to be afraid. You can understand now why John would have his doubts. He's locked up in prison. And why is he locked up in prison? Well, we're gonna we're gonna talk more. We're gonna talk about his death next week, and we'll talk about why he was locked up in prison. But the reality is, is he called out one of the local governors on a wicked, a sinful act that he was doing. He pointed his finger in his face and said, "You you doing wrong." You're committing adultery. You're a wicked man. And and Herod said, lock him up. 
I ain't got time for that nonsense. You see? Yeah. Uh, how many people are getting locked up? I just saw some guys the other night in Dallas, Texas on the street. They was preaching the gospel. And they were using megaphones, and they were using them at a decibel that, that's allowed by the law for them to use. And the police came and locked them up, took them to, did want to, gave them a citation, wrote them up, put them in jail, carried them off. And yet there was other people in that same uh, uh, city block there uh, uh, blaring reggae music really loud and smoking dope on the street corner. You, you see what I mean? Yeah. But they, who, okay. right, right. who did they come and get? They come and got the guys preaching the gospel. And so um, this world is not at all happy with the child of God, with the one who is letting his light shine. Yeah. And it's going to get worse and worse. And we're going to have to decide, are we going to stand and for Christ? And the hate, the uh, yeah. hate is just yeah. unbelievable. It is unbelievable. So we're going to have to decide whether we're going to stand or, or with Christ or we're going to just collapse with the world around us. And John was willing to stand up, but now he's locked up. And he's like, yo, wait a minute now, I stood up for the Messiah. Like, I stood up for our king, and here I am locked up in jail now. Wait a minute, what gives? You see? So he sent some of his disciples to Jesus and said, Hey, are you really the one? And that's that's pretty that's a pretty tough statement. Especially from him. Right. But so so often How does that not anger Christ? So often in our lives though, we base our relationship with God. On our circumstances. And our perspective. Oh, he's cursing me because of what I do. <laughs> or, oh, he's really blessing me because I come each week and I'm faithful to come and do this stuff. You, you see? The more you go, the more he reveals to you. Yeah. But, but you, you understand. Oh, he really blessed me because I go to church every week and I put my money in the offering plate. Oh, look at me. Look how good I am. Or just the opposite. Oh, you know, I, I, I had that dirty thought the other night or I... Watch that movie I shouldn't have watched, or I. You, you, you see, now he's gonna get me. Like I'm worried. Or, or you know, your finances collapse on you, or your 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 closest dearest family member gets sick with cancer or something, and then you go, Oh God, why are you doing this to me? And so we constantly base our relationship with God on our physical circumstances. Yeah. And that's wrong. But the more we study His Word, though, we learn that. Because, because well, because we learn. It's for, the, it's for the good of God and good. His people. But what do we learn? It takes a lot to get to that point, though. What do we learn? Look at 22 again. Uh, uh, I mean, uh, look at look at that uh, 10, 22 verse. You will be hated by all of them, but the one who endures to the end will be the one who is saved. Right? So what is God doing? He's allowing us. He, he allowed John to go through the persecution that he went through. Why? Because in the end, it would prove that he belonged to him. You know, and not only that, but blessed are those who give their life. You know, John has a special crown in heaven. He lost his head for the kingdom. There, and, but there was miracles done in John's behalf. Didn't they, didn't they try to boil him or something? What? No, that's a different. <coughs> that's, that's, that's John the Beloved. That's the one that went to the <laughs> that's, of Yeah, that's the one who wrote Revelation. This is John the Baptist, the one that baptized Jesus. So, uh, he... He says to him, watch what he says. Are you the expected one? This is uh, Matthew 11, verse 3. Are you the expected one or should we look for someone else? And, you know, I can see where in the world that we live in right now today, we could ask the same question, couldn't we? 
Could we not get caught up and say, come on, Jesus, like, like, are you going to really let this world do what it's doing? Are you really the king? Are you really in control? Are you really God? Are you really going to let us do what we're doing? And, and so think, think about that. We, we, do you see where we could ask the same question that, God, that John asked? Are you really the one? Because I put my faith in you and my life sure ain't going the way that I expected it to. I mean, that's kind of what the, the right. statement is. And, and he, so are you really the one or should we look for someone else? What does Jesus say? There is no other name under heaven whereby we might be saved. Now we do get to the point though. Why me? Why am I okay Nash? And there's no reason on God's green earth why I should be in it's, it's a meager position, but it's a good position. And I'm and I'm okay. Oh. You know, so there's wonder about that too. Why me? So, yeah, we go through stuff, and we need to be able to learn to depend on him. But from my perspective, way, the worst day, the worst day now is better than the best day before I was Amen. Saved. Amen. No matter, no matter how bad it gets. So, so he has all of these questions, just like many of us would. I did. And... Jesus is going to answer him. Look what he says in verse 4. Jesus answered and said, Go and report to John what you hear and what you see. Go to John and report what you hear and what you see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. Now, what in the world is that all about? All right. Well, if you happen to have a, a New American Standard Bible, which is what I have right here with me, you'll see that a lot of what Jesus says there, the words blind receive sight, uh, the poor have the gospel preached to them is all in capital letters. And what that's doing is it's referring to an Old Testament passage. So if you were to turn back to the book of Isaiah, in the, in the Old Testament, Isaiah was one of the prophets. And if you were to happen to turn back to Isaiah... And look at Isaiah. Let me get there. Thirty-five. All right. And this is Isaiah's. This is Isaiah. Isaiah thirty-five. This is Isaiah's prophecy of Zion's happy future. Now, Zion would be the city of God. So, the happy future of the city of God. Now, remember, Isaiah is prophesying uh, during the Babylonian captivity. So, what's happened to the children of Israel? The children of Israel are dragged off from Jerusalem to go be prisoners in a place called Babylon. Babylon. All right? Now, now Isaiah is prophesying about the future happiness. Well, what's happened? Well, these women and children have seen their husbands killed. They've been separated at the border from their children, like we have down here, right? They've been separated at the border from their children, and they've been treated brutally. They've been raped. They've been sold into slavery. Like, they have been beaten down and drug off into a farmland. Would you say that they're pretty miserable? And in a, in a captive uh, 
they're a captive audience, aren't they? Right. All right, so think about this. Now Isaiah is pre- prophesying of a future happiness that's going to come to the city of Zion. That's God's city. Look what it says. The wilderness and the desert will be glad, and the Aramah will rejoice and blossom like the crocus. It will blossom profusely and will rejoice with rejoicing and with shout of joy. The glory of Lebanon will give to it the majesty of Carmel and Sharon. They will see the glory of the Lord, the majesty of our God. Encourage the exhausted and strengthen the feeble. Say to those with an anxious heart, take courage, fear not. Behold, your God will come with a vengeance. The recompense of God will come, but he will save you. Then the eyes of the blind will be open, and the dear ears of the deaf will be unstopped, and the lame will leap like a deer, and the tongue of the mute will shout for joy. For water will break forth in the wilderness, and the streams in the Aramah, the scorched land will become a pool, pool, and the thirsty ground springs of water. In the haunts of jackals, its resting place, grass becomes reeds and rushes. As a highway will be there, a roadway, and it will be called the highway of holiness, right? We, ACDC had the highway to hell. Highway. Well, the Messiah is laying down the highway to holiness, you see? And, it, and the unclean will not travel on it. So, Jesus is referring to a prophecy in Isaiah that when the Messiah comes to establish, establish Zion, his holy city, that the blind will see, the deaf will hear, the lame will leap for joy. But Zion is not here yet, right? It is and it is not yet. So spiritually it is here. So that's what they were looking for. Good. So in the Old Testament... The physical city of God there was there, but the Spirit of God had left it. Okay. In the new Zion, the physical will be there, but so will the spiritual presence of God. It'll be a complete. In the new Zion, this is this is when the, the new Zion will be the new the, the new heavens. Yeah, so the new heavens and the new earth. The new heavens and the new earth. But when Jesus came as the Messiah. He was coming 2,000 years ago to establish that new kingdom. Okay. And so it, that kingdom is present with us right now. The kingdom lives within us. The kingdom of God is present with us right now all around us. But in the same way as John the Baptist, we feel locked up in prison going, hey, wait a minute, it's not like it's supposed to be yet. You see? But it's, it's coming. And when he comes back, when he returns the second time, he's coming back to judge the wicked and evil world, and give us the new heavens and the new earth. So at his advent, at his second coming, not only will we know the spiritual salvation, but we'll know the physical salvation too because we'll be given glorified bodies and we have a new heaven and a new earth with no sickness, no disease, and no sadness. But what is the point we're trying to see here? Jesus is trying to comfort John the Baptist in his persecution. So what does he do? He reminds him of the coming kingdom. John the Baptist preached the coming king and proclaimed that the coming king is here, but John couldn't see it, right? Because 
of his physical persecution that he was going through. He was doubting. So what was Jesus doing? He was reminding John of the promises of God and that the promises of God are never broken. And that as Jesus was going around and casting demons out of people and healing the blind and causing the mute to speak and causing the deaf to hear and causing the dead to walk out of graves and changing water into wine and walking on water. As he was doing all of these things, he was proclaiming that the kingdom is among, the kingdom is here with you now. Like God's promises are being fulfilled. You see how that works? They are being fulfilled and eventually they will be fulfilled in entirety. So it's happening around us all the time. God's kingdom is being established every day. Why? Because the kingdom of God is being preached and the eyes of the blind are being opened. What does that mean? Everybody's waking up to their truth. Or being able to see God's truth. Good. The dead are walking out of graves alive. You who are dead in trespassing sin are made alive in Christ Jesus. You see? The kingdom is being established before our very eyes. But because of our persecution, because of all of the trials and tribulations of discipleship, every one of us have doubts, and we all struggle. And so what does Jesus do with John to cure him of his doubts? He reminds him that the promises of God will always be kept. And not only will they always be kept, but they are being fulfilled right in front of your eyes if you'll only look. Mm-hmm. Right? But sometimes we have to look through the bars of the cell to see what's happening. You see? John was locked up, and so his doubts had him not being able to see that God was keeping his promise. Right. And so he says, uh, And blessed is he who does not take offense at me. Well, what does that mean? If you truly belong to Christ, then even when the persecutions and the struggles of this world fall upon you, if you belong to Christ, you will not uh, take offense at him. You will endure to the end. You see how that works? So what does a true, true disciple look like? A true disciple looks like one who endures to the end. Is he a disciple because he endures to the end? No, he endures to the end because he is a disciple. It is God's work in you that gives you the strength to endure to the end. All right. All right? So the proof is in the pudding. Yeah. So when the trials and the tribulations come, when the temptations come, we will be able to stand with him. Now, do we always win? Do we all, every time, do we always do the right thing? No, we fall every day. But the true disciple will be picked up in the strength of God and shown the way to go and given the desire and the will to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. Why do we fall? Because we depend upon ourselves. Yeah. But you yeah. see? Well, I just was doing a lesson with a group the other night and we were talking about how that if you walk in the Spirit, you will not fulfill the desires of the flesh and that the spiritual man has crucified the lust of the flesh. Right. You know, he's dying to self and living for Christ. And so... Um, Next week, when we get back together, we're going to see John the Baptist is actually going to die for right. the kingdom's sake. Like he's actually going to lose his head, right. and uh, oh, yes, and so and so we'll we'll talk about it next. We're going to see the rest of the story. We'll see the background to the story next week when we get back together. So so what have we learned today? We've learned that discipleship is not an easy road, right? But it is a road that God has, has laid out for us. 
And if we truly are His disciples, it's a road that we will walk. And we cannot base our relationship with God on our circumstances. When we begin to do that, we're beginning to trust in what we see and feel and touch and taste and hear instead of trusting what we know. Right. Instead of trusting in God's promises, we trust in our position or our, our, our place. We, we instead, and so remember, this, the life of Jesus shows us that sometimes when it looks like God's promise have been completely stamped out, that's when they're actually being fulfilled. Yeah. You see how that works? Yeah. That's how it was with Jesus. Everybody went home sad. They said, well, he was going to be our Messiah, but he's dead now. <laughs> but, but it was through that death that he claimed his kingdom. Amen. It was through that death that he won. And so I hope that everybody gets a little something out of this lesson today. Let's close with a quick, let's close with a quick word of prayer. Father, thank you for this time together, and thank you so much for loving us, and thank you so much for sending your son to save broken men and women like us. Um, help us um, in our doubts and in our struggles. Help us when our eyes get off of you and get on our circumstances and get on this world around us. Help us to know you, to receive you, to believe you. Give us the strength and the willingness to trust your truth and walk in that truth. And please uh, give us the privilege and joy of being able to share that truth with others as we go. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.